week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me is my co-host, Dixie Cochran. Hi! And almost kind of special guest co-host, because you're on so often these days, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle Lazon. Hello! Kind of like the, the secret fourth host at this point. Secret fourth host. No, that's not secret anymore. You just told everybody. Uh, crap. Okay. Um, <laughs> everyone forget I said that. Right. <laughs> Danielle's not a co-host. <laughs> shh, be quiet. No, shh, 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 shh. You can't tell anybody Although, I was realizing this is not the only, this is not the first podcast you've kind of accidentally become a co-host on. It is it's not. True. This is really about plan. You're just going to infect others, other podcasts. You don't have to actually run your own. Yeah, that's my plan. <laughs> and it's been working out for me so far. Yeah, Dee doesn't want to do any of the production on a podcast. She just wants to show up, talk, and fuck off. Yeah, I don't blame that's, you. That's my, my goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, we invite you here specifically to show up, talk, and then fuck off. So that's going to work out really well for you. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this month is uh, Trinity Continuum Month, uh, which is uh, the last stop in our tour of Onyx Path during our 10 year anniversary. And we brought you on primarily uh, to talk about adventure, although I know how these things go. So we may talk about other stuff, maybe even Trinity related. Who knows? Maybe. Um, I mean, last time we did a Trinity episode, we talked for like 20 minutes about other shit before we talked about anything. So, right. I know. This is where Speaking I'm, of I'm, talking I'm, about other shit, I wanted to, to say that this is the 10 year anniversary of OPP. And it just occurred to me literally right now that this is also my. And my husband's 10-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Aww. We've been married for as long as OPP has been around. That's that, cool. That's amazing, but also hilarious that you're just like, oh, crap, today's my anniversary. <laughs> well, not today. Our anniversary oh, okay. was was a, was Wednesday. Oh, okay. But... <laughs> you didn't realize it was 10 years? No, it, it, I didn't connect that OPP oh. was 10 years and we were 10 right. years until got just it, got now. Got it, got it, got it. Got it, got it, got it. That's funny. Kind of similar to like um, someone was mentioning, uh, I think it was online. It was like, you know, uh, they're asking about the the purchase of like the World Darkness and, and the shutdown of the MMO and all that stuff. And I was like, I don't really remember what happened. I was like, why is that? And they say, oh, because it was eight years ago, you dummy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a long time ago. It was forever ago. Oh, I was in a whole different decade of my life when that happened. I know. That was a yes, whole pandemic ago. Same. That was, that was an entire Twitter ago. <laughs> just about <laughs> uh so I, I i would like to talk about adventure a little bit at least sure uh, all we can um uh and this i think it's interesting because this is the third of the uh original trinity eras right and with uh aeon there wasn't really much that changed. A little bit of updating of the setting, but Aeon Second Edition pretty largely resembles the original game, at least in the setting. Obviously, the mechanics have changed, but the setting sure. is yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Aberrant, on the other hand, is a complete reboot. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's a whole new date. It's a whole new concept. Uh, and it's explicitly kind of... It's somewhat touch reboot to the point that he's even playing with the, the superhero tropes of like things that happen in one universe are different in another universe. So we potentially went a very different direction with it. Uh, Adventure was kind of in the middle of those two. Is that fair to say? It's almost like a sequel. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, it, it's 10 years after first edition. It's 10 years after first edition, but we didn't say the stuff that happened in first edition didn't happen. Mm. So in Amaranth, it's, I think, 10 years later or 20 years later, but we changed everything mm-hmm. and the, we moved when things happened so that it could be happening right now, as opposed to 20 years ago. Right. But we didn't change the date that things happened in adventure. So the, you know, the big blast that gave everybody inspiration still happened on the same date. We just mm-hmm. moved the game 10 years later so now we're playing in the 30s instead of the 20s. Mm-hmm. And so things have happened in the interim. and But all the stuff that happened in first edition still pretty much happened. Okay. And we only made a couple of changes and not really a lot of them. I'm not going to quiz you and ask you what those changes are because that nope. was... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no. I want a bulleted list of every single change you made, Daniel. <laughs> Maybe I could have given you that like two years ago. <laughs> you probably still got it on a file in a Google Drive somewhere, but you know, we're not going to go look that up. I probably could open the outline and it has the changes I wanted. Right. <laughs> but um, I, maybe I think one of the things that might be useful can do is just like talk about rather than your changes, what some of the instinct was for moving ahead 10 years while keeping the old continuity in place more or less. So I have to credit that to Ian. Okay. Um, you know, they suggested it and I was, you know, I was on board the moment it was suggested. Don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. But at first I was like, yeah, we'll do it in the twenties. It'll be mm -hmm. fine. And Ian was like, what if we punch Nazis? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, what if we did punch Nazis? That, that's way better than the twenties. <laughs> yeah. Let's put that in the thirties so we can punch some Nazis. Uh, and, and then it just kind of, cascaded from there which was the driving force of you know the nazi party kind of started rising to power in 1934 um there's a lot of pre-war like political stuff going on in mm -hmm. the world that the characters could be engaging in mm -hmm. which i think would make for fun stories and you know, it's not, we're in the middle of a war, so we didn't get all the way there, but we are early enough uh, or late enough in history's timeline for the Nazi party to be a thing and for people to know that they're bad, also for fascism to be a thing. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And in Italy, and so there's a lot of, you know, you want to punch out a fascist or join an Antifa movement, you can. Mm -hmm. Um we even have some, you know, Nazi bad guys in our audio drama. Um, mm -hmm. Now they're working for one of our, you know, named bad guys who isn't necessarily a Nazi. He's just a crazy person. Right. Uh, <laughs> just a German megalomaniac. Yeah. Just a run-of-the-mill megalomaniac with lots of money and in genius in level intelligence to, to do horrible things with it. Like take over the skies. Like take over the skies. Yes. A perfectly <laughs> rational career goal to have. Yeah. I mean, he believes that the the world has gone to shit and that the only way for uh, humanity to survive is to take to the skies. And this isn't just a, it's me and my friends. It's no, literally everyone has to come along with me. I will force this to be true. I mean, I see the upside to that. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I could see why people work for him. <laughs> right. He's got a great dental plan, too. Yeah. He's got a, a gleaming city in the sky. Why wouldn't you want to live there? Right. It's a, the, the small factor of, of pressing people into doing it against their will. Eh, there's that. <laughs> it's fine. You're living in a gleaming city in the sky. Leave all you plubs back on Earth. <laughs> like weirdos yeah. on the ground. Um, Grounders. It's interesting because, like, uh, uh, the original adventure was like right on the edge of the great depression it, yes. it's it's that kind of the world's gone to shit in a very different way mm -hmm. um and it's after and it that's that one was more kind of coping with a world after the great war the first world war right and now we moved ahead 10 years and we're now on the eve of world war ii and it's interesting how much tonally that changes the game just by putting 10 years on it it really does um well you know, in the previous ad adventure, uh, the Great Depression hadn't started yet. Oh, okay. Because um, that started mm -hmm. in 29, and yep. the original adventure was set in 24. Uh, so it was so more that, like end of the Roaring Twenties era? It was the Roaring Twenties uh, era. Middle right, of it, okay. yeah. So it had a more, you know, well, it was always kind of a pulpy adventure, upbeat tone. Mm -hmm. We still have that, but there's still this, there's... I think more to focus on in the world uh, that is real politics as opposed to just the, you know, let, let's hop in a biplane and uh, go explore some supernatural weirdness that just happened. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the bad guys. I think there are more bad guys in the world that are just normal people. Um, for the characters to interact with mm-hmm. ten years later. So it kind of I don't want to say I, I mean I do want to say broaden broaden your options a bit more. A little bit, yeah. I think that, that's. that's- that's a word I would use. Also, I feel like that widens the scope from like having those gritty, you know, punchy Nazi infiltrating the third right kind of situations to, you know, your your Indiana Jones adventures, which can still involve punching Nazis, but are a little bit more, you know, let's swing on a rope and run through the jungle and do all this stuff. And there's like a little bit more of a, you know, big pulp adventure. Uh, yeah, I mean, the original Indiana Jones was pulp adventure and punching Nazis, so... It, exactly. it has it has everything you would want. I, I have recently found out that the MacGuffin in the newest Indiana Jones movie is called the Dial of Destiny, and it just doesn't sound interesting to me. Dial no. of Destiny. Yes, Indiana Jones like and the a Dial of di- Destiny. Like I don't know. Dial? I don't know what the dial is. Like dial bar soap. soap. <laughs> <laughs> like dial dial M for murder. <laughs> Let's see. It's a telephone dial. of death. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I haven't I haven't seen the dial. I haven't watched the, the trailer. Um, all I know is that as of the trailer, people are saying that it looks better than the last one. The Crystal Skull one? Oh, man. That yeah. One this one takes place good. during like the space race, I think. Oh, interesting. Wow. Okay. So like the 50s? No, uh, 69. 69. Wow. They're really moving ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got Mads Mikkelsen, who's like my favorite villain. Sure. And he's I love him so much. and he's playing a former Nazi hired by NASA. So nice. I will be going to see this movie for him alone. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't go wrong with Mads. Like that's just no. I also like Boyd Holbrook, who's in it. Uh, he was the Corinthian in the Sandman. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. And I like really Toby Jones, and he's in it. So like, it's a good cast. It's got Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um. So yeah. I'm going to go see it, but it I, I don't know what a, the Dial of Destiny is. Anyway, if you want to take inspiration from Indiana Jones, you can figure out what the Dial of Destiny is in your game. Right. Although, uh, honestly, it feels more like a they came for me to see premise, frankly. It does. <laughs> I mean, I feel like any of the Indiana Jones movies, you can d- dial <laughs> up or down uh, if you want to make them adventure or they came from. I think about that a lot when it comes to us talking about Trinity Aegis and they came from the Cyclops' cave, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you can tell roughly the same story with those two, but with completely different tones and outcomes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would actually love to have, like... I'm sorry if there's noise in the background. Matthew or myself or somebody run essentially the same plot in both games to see what mm-hmm. happens. That would be really interesting to me. It's having like be. dueling games of like literally the exact same plot beats, but how do people resolve things? You know? And that's, I mean, one thing I actually kind of dig about Trinity as uh, a setting is that because it's sci-fi at the core, that gives us a slight edge so even though we do lots of genre emulation with trinity the same way they came from does um the spine through that they came from games is humor and meta humor right. and movie meta humor um the spine through trinity is sci-fi so even with superheroes it's sci-fi superheroes even with its pulp it's sci-fi pulp right um so you you may have someone who believes they are a magician but ultimately science is the answer and it's for kind of a different mm-hmm. kind of pulp term and much more kind of uh, The Shadow or Doc uh, Savage, mm-hmm. which even when their science was in retrospect nonsense, they at least gave it a really vague veneer of science. Yeah, right. like you could have a death ray in both games, but like I wouldn't explain the death ray and they came from. They just built a right. death ray. Right. And playing in Trinity, it's like, oh, it harnesses the power of the sun and crystals and focusing things to me. You know, you just have to make it up. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and actually talking about pulp, um, uh, pulp as a genre um, is about 100 years old. And oh, wow. Let's, uh, let's be generous and say it's not aged well. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, so what kind of uh, a challenge did you run into to try to do something that felt authentic to the pulp genre with adventure, but updated it for modern sensibilities? Well... Part of that is just in the writing. Mm-hmm. You know, we add uh, people of color, queer people, um, trans folks, like uh, everything that you can imagine. We we kind of just insert into the game. 
and have that be part of part parcel. Nobody's like really questioning it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do also have a rather large section that talks about the the stuff that people went dealt with in the 30s because it's hard to reconcile in our minds all the leaps and bounds we've come through mm-hmm. since that time period um you know women had just gotten the right to vote in the in America and there are other nations where women don't have didn't have the right to vote yet mm-hmm. in the 30s that's wild to me yeah to think about mm-hmm. and so we have a section in the storyteller or story guide chapter that talks about all of the you know there's racism there's homophobia there's sexism there's uh fascism there's all mm-hmm. these things that are present in the world in that time period and how those things have, there's anti-Semitism. I mean, there's still anti-Semitism, but it's, okay. It's, say, there's, there's still all yeah. of that today. It's there's just still different. all of that. It's just different. And so how much of it was just accepted as fine and nobody really talked on it. Mm-hmm. And so we have, you know, these sections that kind of bring to light how bad that was back then mm-hmm. as opposed to how bad it is now right because i will say it was most of those things were much worse yes mm-hmm. and you know we give tools for people if they don't want to deal with that in their game they don't have to i mean you don't have to engage with any of that stuff in your game ever if you don't want to and some people who live daily lives of dealing with racism don't want to have to deal with racism in their game and they shouldn't have to right Exactly. But if, you know, you do want to explore the consequences of sexism or racism or anti-Semitism or, you know, something along those lines, we give some tools to, to think about and talk about and just to give some context for the time period. Um, but um, beyond that, the game itself uh, approaches those things as part of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't ignore it. We don't. We don't try to say like, well, in our adventure in our 1930s, there was no fascism. Like that right. would be one that would be boring as heck. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and unrealistic. And you know, we're not necessarily shooting for realism here. But, but it needs, again, that, that, that sci-fi approach needs to be at least somewhat grounded. Exactly. And, you know, and we represent, you know, people, we show that these people that have existed always still existed at the, this time period too, right? The queer people existed. Right. Even if they weren't out as much, even it was much more difficult to live your life queer in the time period they definitely existed. Weirdly, mm-hmm. if you want to watch a series that handles that pretty well around that time period, A League of Their Own on uh, yep. Prime yes. Video yeah. is the gayest World War II show I've ever seen in my entire life, <laughs> uh, entirely about, you know, women's baseball. Um, yep. But it, it, it was really, really good and also does show the harder parts of living in the U.S. at that time. Um, not not just from a sexism point, from a, a queer perspective and from a black perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it the game kind of presents these things as conflicts that can be dealt with or ignored up to you and your table. Um, But we don't say that these things didn't exist uh, because that wouldn't be genuine to anybody. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I never think erasing a conflict from, from existing um, is Again, I not I don't care about realism, but the the genuineness of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, like like to to go back to something Nick said earlier is like you can dial it up, dial it down. It's yes. Like, that's not to change erasing it. But one thing I found interesting about this edition is that not only are you saying yes, this stuff exists, but also you put some pieces in here that also directly allow people to engage with it, like. Um, one of the allegiances is uh, Les Salons de Femmes Nouveau, which is basically yes. a women's organization about 
giving women's rights and to giving them a chance to reach their potential. Yes. So nice. you can directly approach and defeat and fight sexism. Yes. There's also another uh, group, the order of the stars that are based in Africa and mm-hmm. their, their whole goal is to uplift inspired Africans nice. um, and prevent European groups from poaching their, their kind of inspired resource. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just since we're here, um, obviously we have the Aeon Society because that's uh, a staple of, of yes. all of the games. Um, and that's what they're in this one too. No. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's so strange how Max Mercer's everywhere. It's almost like he, he really is exists in all time simultaneously somehow. That's weird. How would one do that? No. <laughs> um, but and the same, and that one again was was kind of updated a bit. Mm-hmm. From the original edition, right? Yeah, originally they were the Aeon Society for Gentlemen mm-hmm. in the first edition, and they were, you know, in the twenties, an all all male group. Um, but even in the first game, they had female members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was started out as a gentleman's club, mm-hmm. and we dropped the for gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been 10 years. And by this time, Max Mercer has had time to see the the larger picture of where the world is going mm-hmm. and just says, yeah, we don't need the we don't need to hide it as a gentleman's club. We're just a society. Um, and everyone is welcome. Nice. Uh, there's also uh, the Air Circus. Uh, which is sounds like it's basically a, it's, it's a circus that involves airplanes. I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty <laughs> yes. So the air circus is uh, interesting because it's not just people who fly airplanes. So it's it is people who have and fly airplanes, but it's also their ground crew. Okay. Uh, so if you're a member of the air circus, it might be because you're a mechanic and not because you're a pilot. Mm-hmm. Um. And we have some, you know, uh, I think it's kind of a fun, like, it's the time period where being a pilot or uh, flying, you know, flying through the air was still novel. Yeah. And still very risky. Um, oh, yeah. It's but also it makes you very cool if you do it. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, we have in each of the allegiances, we have kind of a why play this group. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the air circus, it's, you know, teams can be full of lighthearted, thrilling adventure, tense, risky spy missions. And it's, mm-hmm. it's both of those things at once. That's awesome. And, and it's, I, well, I actually really kind of love the air circus because that's one of the things that when people talk about pulp, they're, they're, they're often usually thinking of detective pulp fiction, which is right. the genre. And, Air pulp was a huge thing at the time. Yes, air pulp. It, it is. I mean, like you know. Um, no, no uh, I was just trying to imagine how how you would pulp air. That's all. No, I see. It, see like I understand how like wood verb. pulp works, but like you're like orange pulp. But like if there's air air pulp. Air pulp. Right. It's it's very chunky air. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's when it's foggy outside. It's ah, air pulp. Oh, go. okay. It's good to know. <laughs> but that's, you could call it fog air pulp now, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm gonna like call up D and be like, hey, it's real pulpy outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean like like uh there were lots of uh um you know ace fighter pilots and mm-hmm. you know, either people from World War Time World War One or you know in the forties became World War Two air pilots. Um they would get involved in, in mysteries and fights and things and their you know their planes would constantly be shot down and trying to you know, survive and also using your planes to get to weird locations. So it was, it was really cool to see like, Oh, you could play a whole group of just this. Yep. Aeronautical nonsense. Aero nonsense. Aero nonsense. Uh, and then there's uh branch seven, which is an earlier version of one of the allegiances in the core rule book. Branch nine. Or branch nine. I said branch seven. Didn't I? <laughs> you did say branch seven. I'm looking directly at branch nine. It's, my brain said nine. My head's in seven. I don't know. Why. I just thought you, they were going to add two more branches by the time we got <laughs> right, there to go. the modern era. I was like, I I was going to be like, what are the other two branches, Danielle? But it turns out that Eddie just spoke. 
<laughs> no, actually, it's the same branch. They just add a number every like twenty years. Oh, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> makes sense. Which means <laughs> yeah, so in anima, they're branch thirteen. <sighs> yeah. No. Uh, so branch nine is before nine. Right. Um, sp- split off from the government. They're actually a government uh, agency that looks into weird stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. To protect the the world, you know, from from weird things, mm-hmm. and to contain the the strangeness that is happening in uh, in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the writer for this had a really cool idea that there's essentially a uh, a big containment base where they keep dangerous items and weird things um in oh i want to say this wrong in the antarctic Mm -hmm. uh called the ninth circle which i was like oh man that's so cool oh that sounds like uh that sounds like a place that eventually polyphemists might care about yeah yes (laughs) i i could see a a chunk of branch nine maybe splitting off at some point around the 50s and eventually forming polyphemists possibly yeah yeah I forgot who I said born polyphemus. It's been over two days since I wrote that. So right. And therefore it's, it's gone it's, forever. It's out of my brain. Uh, and then there's the uh, International Detective Agency, which is my favorite for obvious reasons. Right. You hate detectives, Eddie. What? I do. I hate them so much. The, the International <laughs> Detective Agency is just what it sounds like. They're the, the noir detective. Um, they're international. So, you know, American, European, um, <clears throat> and and other so they're mostly right. european and american but they they do send their detectives across the world to investigate things and we wrote in i think when this was originally written uh, sherlock holmes wasn't quite in the uh public domain public domain yet and mm-hmm. now that sherlock holmes is in the public domain we didn't have to like write around you know trying to ex, you know say sherlock holmes without saying it now we're mm-hmm. just like yes he is a he is a member mm-hmm. the the founder is uh augusta dupin um yes. and yeah we we have a lot of uh nods to our favorite detectives in the kind of pulp genre yay um, one of my favorite bits, and I like to believe it's intentional, but I assume that no one is this kind of nerd, so it probably was just an accident. Um, but canonically speaking, Holmes hates Dupin. Yes. <laughs> and so, like, in the write-up for the like, Holmes is a member, but he's just never around. And I, and I genuinely yeah. believe it's like, oh, God, it's fucking Dupin's organization again. Leave me alone. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I was playing Cyberpunk 2077, and I had a private detec- private detective quest called A Raymond Chandler Evening, and oh, I thought nice. of you and adventure and everything else that goes with it. That's amazing. I love it. Uh, so what kind of characters uh, do you play? You're not quite talents, are you? No. Um, so the there's three different character types that you can play. They're all inspired individuals and talents Mm -hmm. are inspired individuals as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But in this era, there is essentially the proto uh, Novas and proto Scions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are also just inspired individuals. Mm -hmm. There is essentially uh, a first level of those character types. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And here in adventure at the adventure level, they are, these are the first level of these character types. So uh, the, we have stalwarts <clears throat> who are proto novas. So they are inspired characters and they have, they function the similar way that talents do Mm-hmm. Uh, in the core, uh, they have inspiration, they have faucets, they have uh, dramatic editing, mm-hmm. but their 
skill, power sets are different. And they look more like Anova's abilities toned down. Okay. Oh. And then we have Mesmerists, who are, again, the proto-scions. And they have the same kind of they, they inspiration, faucets, all of that stuff. But they and they have their power sets look like scion powers toned down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we have daredevils who are effectively talents. Um, they're just called daredevils during this time period. Okay. So the one thing we haven't done yet in Trinity is make the the upper level of talent. Mm-hmm. Um the upper level of talent that Max Mercer is. Okay. The, the ability to time travel or teleport or do the things that Max Mercer can do isn't currently in in any of our playable material. Okay. I think Brave New Worlds alludes to it, but yeah, it's still not. Uh, Mac, what Max Mercer is is still kind of a unique, distinct thing. Yes. Right. As that digression, but for, for people who are curious, uh, Brave New Worlds is, is going to be a talent. It's a, a Trinity Core source book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's going to be allowing talents to do things to explore areas outside of our modern Earth. So you, uh, underwater, you can explore different planets through weird technology and as opposed to spaceships. It's like time tunnels and stuff. Time um, tunnels. Or stargates, if you will. A gate to the stars. Love it. <laughs> um, uh, there is time travel as well, although it's rudimentary and not as nearly as sophisticated as what Max claims he has control over, although that's debatable. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, the, microverse. The, the microverse. Yeah. Yeah. So going to going to teeny tiny places that it's just like an Ant Man situation. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Quantum level. You can't just put uh, quantum in front of everything. I, <laughs> you absolutely can. Quantum things, <laughs> like the, quant- the the Onyx Quantum Cast. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Sorry, Rich. We're rebranding. We're now <laughs> Onyx Path Quantum. It makes it, it, it makes it sound pretty hardcore, actually. It does. It does. Yeah, everything yeah. does better with Quantum. We need to <laughs> rechange uh, Story Path Ultra to Story Path Quantum. I mean, that'd be cool. Actually, <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Rich, get back to us. <laughs> um, no, but 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 getting back onto uh, adventure, um, although it is actually related, uh, one thing was kind of alluded to in adventure. Although, granted, we only had the one book for first edition adventure, um, and we have more room to expand on adventure this time around. Is the idea that there are locations you can go to? that are strange and unusual that at the time people felt were a part of the natural world, but in retrospect, we realized didn't actually exist. And so like you can do things like the ape city or um, mm-hmm. you know, where dinosaurs exist and they are real and true adventure, but no longer exist now. So maybe we can kind of talk through how that works on a meta level, not meta level, but like in the, the, the continuity of the Trinity continuum. On a quantum yeah. level. Quantum level, yes. Quantum level. <laughs> well, you know, uh, so strange places do exist in Trinity Core, but there are not as many of them. Um, oh, okay. But the, so strange places are much more prevalent in adventure and maybe in earlier games, like uh, even more in Aether. Mm-hmm. Which we're not here to talk about Aether, but it is uh, because we know, just is... talked about Aether recently <laughs> on the same show. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, you know, part and parcel with these things, um, where the less ex- so the explanation is the less people know about an area, mm-hmm. the more likely that the flux. And flux is just a a, a weird catch all word here. Um, will be thin enough that another dimension may overlap with ours. Oh, okay. 
And this barrier between worlds, between dimensions, um, within the continuum kind of becomes weak. And it's more likely to happen in a place where people don't go very often and there there's not a lot of people expressing reality onto the place. Mm-hmm. And so in Adventure Time, there's a lot of the world that, you know, is being explored and people are finding, you know, we're exploring in the air now and we're finding that there's these weak barriers in these like sky cities that are completely different dimensions or we're finding, you know, oh, in this jungle where, you know, only maybe a small group of people live uh, and not enough people to really exert reality onto the world we're finding you know an entire city of ape people uh Mm. where our um oh gosh now i've lost his name in in kindu in in kindu yes is from um and so we you know we see a lot of that in adventure and we also see it in aether but Mm. we see it less in the modern Trinity because more of the world has been tread upon and constantly. And we have airplanes and we have trains and we have mass transit and we have people expanding into less uh, populated areas. Mm-hmm. Uh and so now only the places like deep inside forests or in abandoned places or like ghost towns will you find these kinds of things. And that's it, – it's, it's, it's interesting because I know like you, you said that this movie kind of just – there's a, a little mention in the Trinity book. I, I actually forgotten about that though. Um, but now that we have these other projects out, you kind of see almost a timeline of like Aether – you have lots of uh, unwinding and rewinding, which is just tearing holes willy-nilly to different yep. dimensions. Um, that's where the, the the Martians kind of come through, uh, uh, or some version of Mars. We don't know which version of Mars, but they come through some version of Mars that come to our planet. Right. Um, and so after the Martians and the unwinding stuff dies down, you know, we're looking at 40 years later, there's still some of the stuff around. It, it's less but it's not completely gone. Um, you can make an argument that like then around the sixties, Polyphemus is formed to actively seek these kinds of things. Right. Uh, and, and, and clean them up to the modern day where like I said, it's like a combination of, of more common consensus and knowledge of things so that it, it, it pushes us things further to the background, but also you can see an argument for Polyphemus being an active component to kind of, nudge those things down then we move into eventually aberrant um where it, it, it's new things are happening but it's it's a very different style of engaging with these strange dimensions that ultimately builds and leads to aeon right that's so really cool, cool. So, so yeah cool. i love it and the the cool thing about it is that uh you again in your own games can engage with that as much or as little as you want right right if you don't want to look at it if you don't want to go to the underground city of mole people (laughs) you don't have to yeah it could just not even exist right and actually uh uh also speaking locations um another thing that you did in this edition was to make it much more of a global game because the first edition was a little focused on the western world yes um, I wanted to give people the opportunity to the globe trot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that is a thing in pulp stories where you know you take a train, you, then you get on a boat, and then you take an airplane, and you know you, you travel across the world to get to you know one area or another. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my big inspirations for this game, even though it's not set in the same era, is Uncharted. Um, the mm-hmm. the game series Uncharted and there's right. a lot of like you start in one place and then you oh we go to this country to this remote location and then oh we it what we were looking for isn't there so we go to this other country and you know this right. other remote location and uh, that is 
also part of pulp stories where, you know, you, you travel to get to where you're going. Um, and you know, we, we have a little bit about travel in the game, but it, it's a little hand wavy that, you know, it may take you a while to get there, but you can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I wanted people to have that sense of the world was starting to focus on international travel mm-hmm. a lot more in in that time period. Um, it was still difficult to get from point A to point B. You know, crossing the Atlantic is still a, a boat ride. Right. Um, you know, there weren't like jetliners that were uh, taking people across the Atlantic yet, but it wasn't a a long ship. It was, you know, right. it was it was a steam vessel and it was moving pretty quickly. Um, and so I I wanted people to have feel like it is the whole world, not just the Western world that they were engaging with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I mean uh, the how the different world chapters in each Trinity game get sliced up obviously depends on the game, but you have a, a very meaty world chapter in this, mm-hmm. as well as the the strange places. Um, like a lot of information about uh, Asia and Australia, Oceania, Africa, which are areas that we just didn't really touch on in previous games. So it's, it's really exciting to see all of these cool locations portrayed much more respectfully than perhaps traditional pulp did. Right. Um, and that was very important to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same Same with me when I was working on Victorian Mage to get that going. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was the same kind of thing where it's like, and we talked about it a, a little bit with, with Matthew recently in our Aether interview. And right. that like, we really want these games to be global and globally appealing and not just focus on, you know, people from the U.S. and parts of Europe. So, yeah. Right. And uh, one thing that kind of gets lost sometimes is that this kind of mass media popular entertainment was a global phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the thirties, uh, you know, the last few Sherlock Holmes stories had been published by 1922 mm-hmm. and they were published in just about every language on the planet. Um, uh, South Africa had a thriving pulp magazine uh, community around this time period. Um, uh, you know, so, I mean, these kinds of stories were, were, were all over the world, and so it's really cool to right. see that. Uh, but also, one thing I love about uh, the chapter is that you still do a good job of keeping the, well, you and your team did a good job of keeping the, the tone of it. Um, mm-hmm. Like the, my favorite is the, the, the ludicrously alliterative uh, ha- headline titles. Oh. <laughs> like flying fugitive physician family foils fuzz flinches from flatfoots. <laughs> I mean accurate though. Accurate. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, that thank Hiromi for that. Um I believe they it. did they did a fantastic job on those. And um I think it was Hiromi or it was Lauren. I don't remember who, but uh everybody who did it's funny because I asked for a couple of those from a couple of the authors and they mm-hmm. all gave me similar like toned things mm-hmm. it, like, like they were talking to each other and I don't know that they were, they just <laughs> both all had the same idea. Like, like we're going to make this alliterative mm-hmm. and, uh, and interesting at well, the same time. Once you start thinking in a mid Atlantic accent, you can't help it. Yeah. Right. You just have to go there. I almost read that in that kind of mid-Atlantic accent. Right. Uh, it's, it's so easy to slip into. Fabulous family. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. No, that is, that, is, that is so funny to me. Uh, so um, we've talked about setting a fair bit. I do want to kind of circle back around and talk about the, the rules a bit. You mentioned they're all inspired. Um, so they're all going to have gifts and access mm-hmm. to things like super science and whatnot. Um, how did you adjust gifts and super science and the other kind of core rules to make adventure distinctive from the core Trinity rulebook? So one of the things that we wanted to do was make each uh, character type feel unique and different from each other. Mm-hmm. 
So each one has their own gift set that is unique to them and how they buy gifts and what kind of gifts they get are all unique within that character type. So for example, mesmerists have three different areas of uh, gifts that they can pick from. Mm -hmm. And they pick one of them as their, like, this is the thing that that mesmerist is focused on. Mm -hmm. They can purchase from the other, but it costs a little more. But they pick uh, their starting gifts from the one they're focused on. And that's the one that they're going to probably be picking a lot of their gifts from. And those are actually uh, broken down as, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what their names are, um, but they are combinations of the seven, well, six, because we don't include. Right, we don't talk about the seventh one. <laughs> we, don't, we don't include quantikinesis in it. Um, so the six, uh, Scion uh, abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, distilled down into three separate sections. And, okay. and so we do that. And then um, stalwarts have what are called dynamic gifts, which give them the ability to do some interesting things beyond uh, normal mortal ability. A mm-hmm. lot of the the daredevil stuff is kind of luck based or more skilled than the average person. Right. Um, believable, but also extraordinary at the same time mm-hmm. where the stalwarts have the ability to kind of break out of that believability. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they kind of have the Superman abilities. Okay. Um, you know, they're not quite as powerful as Superman, but you know, uh, it's still that like older comic book style of they can, they can leap really far or they can uh, do a a strongman stunt that, you know, would impress everybody kind of thing. Right. Um, And so we made sure that everybody's gifts kind of really represented their character type. Uh, And then the other thing we did was we gave every group a, specialization in dramatic editing so okay when when doing specific types of dramatic editing they that group can use so um momentum instead of inspiration to do it and for the mesmerist and stalwarts it's a very niche thing uh and then for Daredevils, it is uh, a bigger set of things just because they are more in tune with dramatic editing Mm -hmm. and they dramatic edit easier than the other two groups also. Mm -hmm. Dramatic editing costs a little more inspiration for uh, stalwarts and mesmerists to do. Right. They're they're exchanging a little more kind of uh, specialized, stronger power instead of the flexibility that Daredevils have. Right. That's really cool. Yeah, um, I love that. I also noticed, um, I was just, I was skimming through as you were talking, uh, and I also noticed uh, you talked about environments a bit more, which is great because, like we said earlier, it's strange places. Yeah. You have access to unusual environments. You're going to be in the Antarctic. You're going to be in the jungle whatnot. But my favorite has to be quicksand because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was raised to believe quicksand was going to be a much bigger problem Same. than my life. I mean, I saw... <laughs> I saw so many movies on quicksand. I played a lot of Pitfall. He died in quicksand. Yeah. Like, I thought I was just going to be encountering quicksand whenever I went in the woods. <laughs> Look, it's a pulp staple. It is. It absolutely is. No, I love no, that. There, 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 have, there has to be quicksand. Right. I'm, I'm glad that you, you, you thought to put that in, or your team thought to put that in. That, that is, that is mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, the you you talk about the environments, and actually, I I really wanted there to be a lot of um, different rules for environments, just because mm-hmm. the the setting of where you are and what you're doing really lends itself to what is a pulp story. 
So some of the pulp Mm -hmm. story is man versus man, but a lot of pulp stories are man versus environment. It's true. And so there needs to be environment to be versus or to struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we wanted to give a lot of interesting, you know, like I'm in a volcano. How does this work? I'm, you know, I'm in quicksand or in a jungle or, you know, there's, there's ropey vines everywhere. How does that work? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we, we included a lot more in this game than any of the other games because of that. And I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the only other trading game we currently have with a genre emulation that requires a lot of environmental stuff would be Assassins. And I think right. Assassins also mm-hmm. did a lot of environmental stuff too, right? Yes. Yeah. So it, may, it makes total sense. And, and again, that's one of the things that I really dig about this new edition venture because you, it, it, was, it was such a tricky balance of being faithful feeling to the, the uh, trappings of this genre. And it's, it's frankly a very loosely defined genre because it's really a whole bunch of subgenres. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, pulp is just kind of mystery and crime and adventure and superhero and airplane fiction, romance, all kind of shoved into a bag. Yes. So it's kind of ropey to begin with. Uh, but to, to do all that, get rid of the, the problematic baggage of that while still making it feel fun and fresh um, yeah. and, and it, every time I, I open this manuscript, I'm looking at it, I'm, I'm, like, I'm always finding something that like makes me smile or makes me keen or it gives me some cool ideas because this, this book is just chock full of, mm-hmm. of amazing ideas. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of this book. I think it's, uh, right up there with, like, I was really proud of Trinity Core, um, and how it turned out. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely feel like if you like Trinity Core and you like the, the themes there that you'll really like adventure as well um because it just kind of takes those themes and dials them up to 11 yeah and like throws them back in time yes right which is super cool um we're getting close to the end but um dixie do you have any other questions or things you want to know about with the venture i don't know i'm excited to actually like play this one at some point because i haven't gotten to yet and um this this and assassins are probably the two that i want to play the most right now as far as stuff mm-hmm. that i haven't played already because mm-hmm. uh, obviously I've I've done a, a couple of anima games, yep. um. But yeah, like I want to see where this goes because I mean, who doesn't love like the 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 mummy, you know? Or right. like yeah. like, like while while you're talking about um Uncharted too, that that made me think about like I I had a whole train of thought that went off a rail that was like, is Tomb Raider modern pulp? Yeah, um, yeah, it really is. Because it pretty much is what she's doing. <laughs> she's traveling all over the world and finding things and fighting environments and sometimes fighting bad guys. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you could probably transplant this to other eras as well if you wanted to play some of those adventures that aren't actually in the 30s. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, I doubt it would be that hard to say, like, okay, now it's the 60s and it's this thing, you know? Yep. Or now it's the 80s and it's this thing. Because, yeah, like, Trinity is such a skinnable game as it is. Right. Every time we add new mechanics to it or add a new skin to it, all I can think of are all the different ways I could use that skin <laughs> to do different yeah. things besides just the main thing. Uh, but no. yeah, no, I am. I'm looking forward to playing this definitely. Honestly, I mean, um, we were talking about uh, uh, Polyphemus earlier, mm-hmm. several times actually. Um, but I mean, you could use Adventure pretty easily to do a kind of Polyphemus Year One. Oh yeah, yeah. Sixties travel around the world and find weird stuff game. Yep. Yeah. I am super interested to see. So as, as most people know, Plythmus was based very heavily on the video game Control, which I love. Mm-hmm. And of course, now they've announced working on Control 2. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are they going to put in that one? What do I get to learn about? I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, Daniel, is there anything about uh, Adventure that we didn't talk about that you want people to know about? Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily talk about the secrets uh, well, yeah. chapter. Because, you know, some people don't read that so that they can be surprised by mm-hmm. their right. their story guide. Um, and that would be the only thing I would want to talk about. So I think... <laughs> Do we need to talk about Max Mercer and Dr. Primoros? Uh, well, so a lot of that stuff's kind of hidden in the Secrets chapter. Oh, okay, never mind. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gosh, Eddie. Fair enough. All right. 
Um, oh, then I just have one more question. Uh, and this is kind of related to adventure, but more, I think, something specifically for you because you've been on both these projects. Um, it's we've, we've been pretty open about the fact that when we designed Trinity Core, the idea was to take the Daredevils from Adventure 1 and make them into mm -hmm. a modern, and make them into talents. That was yes. kind of the design conceit. It was like, take Daredevils, turn them into talents, and that was the base. Um, and when you worked on that, particularly from a design level, and then had to go through and remake Daredevils again in second yes. edition. So was there any, any kind of challenge in trying to make the second edition Daredevils still feel like they were part of first edition, but also distinct from talents and core, or was it a pretty easy, straightforward transition? Um, you know, I, I was the one who took, like, that was actually my job on the Trinity core, mm -hmm. uh, was taking daredevils and turning them into talents. So I mm -hmm. wrote that talents like creation and how all that works. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think because I had done that, conceptually daredevils felt really easy in adventure to just be like no they're just like talents only pulpier okay. uh, <laughs> so you know when i was going through their gift sets and you know reading like the new gifts that they were given what uh you know, the things that stood out to me is, yes, this is a good addition for this because it is, you know, it's that, that really pulpy thing of uh, Monica did a really great job of creating this kind of risk reward system for daredevils where they, they kind of give themselves a complication to get more out of their gift. Mm -hmm. Oh, neat. Um, and wrote several gifts to kind of play on that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was really the, the, the thing that makes them feel different from talents was that they're, they're more daring. They have the, that like true to the name feel. That makes sense. That they, they have to throw themselves intentionally into dangerous and bizarre circumstances, whereas talents just in, kind of end up in them. Right. And I mean, okay. they have access to all of the the gifts from the core book, also. Okay. So they they can take the normal gifts, you know, as long as they make sense for the the setting. Um, you know, there's a couple of more high tech gifts that probably don't make any sense. Sure. Um, but we wanted the you know we wanted to also show these new gifts that that make them a little more daring than uh than their later counterpart mm -hmm. that's awesome thank you i i i always uh, as, as someone who's also worked on a lot of different iterations of a game i'm always fascinated by talking to designers about how they look to their past work and try to do something new or different spin to it so it sounds like you are kind of already thinking along those lines right how to prepare for that. Awesome. Great. Well, I'm, like Dick said, I'm super excited to, to get the final version of Adventure. Um, I, I do want to play it at some point. I, like you, I also haven't played Assassins either. I don't think I, to be fair, I don't think I played Aeon, actually. Uh, I don't so think I have and Anima. Yeah. Definitely, definitely all done Anima. Um, I played Core. I uh, played Aberrant and I run Aberrant. Um, so yeah, I think those are the three Trinity games I haven't played yet. Uh, but like I said, I mean, it's it, it's it's just so fun, much fun to to read through. And go, I could do this, and I could do this, and it's like I mean, uh, um, like we we're talking about earlier, it's like you can also slide the the timetable around. So like doing a, a Casablanca style game or a, a film noir fifties detective thing, it's, it's it would it would take hardly any work to do that mm -hmm, with, with mm -hmm. adventure. Kind of fill those gaps in the timeline. Love it. Uh, so. Um, if people want to talk to you more about adventure, Daniel, where would they find you online? Um, you can find me on my, uh, I have a website at daniellozon.com and you can contact me there or I'm often in the discord for Onyx Path. Um, I am there more often than I used to be uh, <laughs> since I started working more full time. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, you can talk to me there. Sounds good. How about you, Dixie? 
Yeah, uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Dixie Cyanide from most social media and uh, always on the Discord. Just just hanging out on the Discord 24-7, just chilling. Right. You know, Yeah. doing my thing. Uh, uh, similarly, I also could be found on, on the Discord, uh, uh, usually talking about the Transformers magic cards that are coming out because everyone has to tell me about the Transformers magic cards that are coming out and be going, I can't buy them. I don't have the money right now. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, you can find me on my website, pugsteady.com. It's P U G S T E A D Y. Um, from there, you can get access to all of my social media stuff. You can find all of our work at dionyxpath.com. So please swing by the website, check it out. Uh, you can also find our stuff at DriveThruRPG. You can find our stuff through Studio 2. You can find our stuff through Antipress Revolution. So even go to your local game store and ask about it. At some point, Adventure will be in the stores. So if you don't want to pre order, then start asking about uh, ordering in your future and you'll be able to buy one off the shelves. But with all that, thank you very much. And as always, any worlds, one path. Thank you.